Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Jason McGay. All right, let's just, uh, today I'd like to open with um, a bit of prayer. We've been praying already, we've been worshiping the Lord, but I'd like to start again with just a, a little bit of prayer. So wherever you're at at home, take this moment to get your heart set on the Lord, get your, the eyes of your heart fixed on Him, and just be in a place to be hearing what He has to say. Now, my words this morning are not nearly as important as His words. So you need to be listening for his words because he has some things he would like to say to you this morning. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering together. Even though we're in homes, we are one in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, we are together and we're united in him. And I thank you, Father, for that awesome privilege of being called by the name of Jesus. And Lord, we take this moment now just to set aside any cares or concerns that we may have, that we may have our, our mind and our heart totally fixed on you. Lord, we want to hear what you have to say to us this morning, because we know that your words are life, your words are strength to us, your words encourage us and lift us up, and I thank you for that. So, Father, we thank you for everything that you are going to do and say this morning. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is always with us. We may be gathered separately in homes, but your spirit is ever present with us. And I thank you for manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of every person within the sound of my voice this morning. Father, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, we honor you and praise you. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Why don't we jump right into the word today? Uh, and look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Hallelujah. Now, this verse came to mind while I was praying the other day. And it really, it really just stuck out in my, in my thinking. And then when I went to go find where, there was just, there was a phrase that came to mind. And when I went to go find where it was, I was a little surprised at where that verse or where that phrase was found. It's found in Luke chapter 18, and we are going to read verses 1 through, um, through 8, verses 1 through 8. I'm reading from the Amplified, so there's a little bit more definition here, but uh, it'll say the same as what's in your Bible. All right, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. So, also Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to, this is the Amplified, turn coward or faint, lose heart, and give up. Yeah. Very good word. This is Jesus talking. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither reverenced and feared God nor respected or considered man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Protect and defend and give me justice against my adversary. And for a time he would not. But later he said to himself, Though I have neither reverence or fear for God, nor respect or consideration for man, yet because this widow continues to bother me, I will defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me, now again amplified here, intolerable annoyance and wear me out by her continual coming. And it goes on here and, yeah, amplified. Okay, verse 6. Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Okay? This is what the unjust judge has said. 
So he had repeated that. Now he's going to say something else. Verse 7, and will not our God defend and protect and avenge his elect, his chosen ones, who cried to him day and night? And then it says, will he defer and delay, uh, delay help on their behalf? Verse 8, I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily. Now look at this verse here. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? So, I've heard, uh, I heard one preacher say, um, well, I don't know if the Lord will find faith, but he'll find a whole lot of books and tapes on faith. <laughs> I thought that was pretty hilarious. Yeah, there's a lot of teaching out there on faith. You could fill auditoriums with books and tapes on faith. But the question here is, will the Lord actually find any when He comes? Hallelujah. All right. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit first about the parable that Jesus is teaching here, because He's making a point. So first He starts out by saying that we ought always to pray and never faint, right? That should be an earmark of a believer, is one who prays and doesn't give up, doesn't quit. Not just quit praying, but doesn't quit, right? So he starts talking about, what it's called a contrast parable. So he's talking about this widow that's going to this unjust judge, and he's, he's basically illustrating like, She's continually coming and saying, give me justice against my enemy. So she has a circumstance that she's dealing with where she is being treated unfairly. She has circumstances where you would say it's unjust for her to be in those conditions. She's in a situation where she has an adversary that is coming against her. And she's doing what's right. Because she's, she's not taking matters into her, her own hands like a vigilante. She's going to the judge. She's going to the proper authorities and saying, give me justice. Right? And the judge is basically, he doesn't care. So he's not exactly doing his best He's not really fulfilling the moral and ethical responsibilities associated with his position of authority, right? Because he doesn't care. I don't care about God, he says. I don't care about man. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what the unjust judge says. So this, this woman doesn't appear to have any reprieve from her circumstances, because she's coming and, and, and wanting justice, and this judge who is supposed to give her justice is not doing so at first because he really doesn't care about her or the situation. He only cares about himself. And so she's not at first getting any justice, but then, you see, she's coming often enough, over and over again. And the judge says to himself, I don't care about God, what he says. In other words, although my position is one of authority because God has ordained these positions to be so, I still don't care. That's what the unjust judges say. And he says, I don't care about people either. So even though that is his position, he says, this woman's going to wear me out. She keeps coming day after day saying, give me justice. So, because I don't want to be bothered anymore, I guess I will just give her justice. So that her enemies who keep coming at her are stayed, are kept away, and justice is done. Hallelujah. Why is Jesus talking about this in connection with praying always? Right? Why is... You think about parables about prayer. Why would he talk about this one? 
And I know everyone at home is thinking the same thing. Why would Jesus be talking about some unjust judge when he's talking about prayer? Now, some may look at this and say, well, this means that I just need to keep pestering God with my prayers until he answers me. But that would be a wrong understanding of this parable. Because God is not an unjust judge. Hallelujah. I'm just going to take a moment here. Notice, notice this woman did not give up halfway and decide to take matters into her own hands and stage a protest as to the injustice that she's ex- currently experiencing. Jesus did not say, you must protest always and faint not. Because of the great injustice that has come upon you. And therefore, you must take matters into your own hand and protest in the streets because those in authority have not been just in their deliberating and their decisions. And you are a victim who must stand up for your own rights and make sure that your voice is heard abroad so that all may know that you are a victim of injustice. I didn't read that in verse 1, did you? Hallelujah. There are things in life that are not fair. It's one of the harsh realities that children grow up to find. But eventually, they grow up to discover that life is not fair. It isn't. Life is not fair. And yet, everybody has on the inside of them this sense of justice and fairness. Where did that come from? Selfishness is one response. It can be fueled by selfishness. But you have on the inside of you something that said that it might be, it might be a, a misbalanced scale, but there is a scale in you nonetheless that decides what's fair and what isn't. You have a, a meter on the inside, something that detects, something that knows that justice should be served. There should be fairness. There should be something that's right. Really what it is, is a form of righteousness. Now, even the world has that, but it's corrupted by selfishness. It's not fair for me. How many people want to fight for what's fair when it costs them something, when they're found to be on the wrong side of fair. Do you hold fairness above your own need, above your own desire, above your own ways? It's a good question to ask, yes? So, people have this sense of fairness, what is fair, what isn't fair, and based on how they've been brought up, the, the, uh, what, how, how they've been parented, what they've heard from the world and their friends around them, the values that they've been taught that they, they, they say, oh, this is good and that's not good, they develop a sense of fairness because of what the world has taught them or how they've grown up. And they measure that and they say, this is fair or this is not fair. Hallelujah. I'm going somewhere with this. I hope you're hearing me this morning. So we get to this place and we say to ourselves, fairness. I need, I need what's right. I need justice. And oftentimes when people are not getting what they consider to be justice in their circumstances, they start looking elsewhere for others to help for others to be the ones to bring about that justice in their life. But I can tell you this, the world is an unjust judge. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't respect God, and it doesn't care about you. And there are many people that have gone that route like this widow and have protested their case 
until they get justice because they think the longer I plead my case, the, the, the eventually someone's going to give in and hear what I'm saying and give me what I want. That is a world mentality, a flesh mentality. Sometimes we take this attitude into prayer because we go to God with a, with a looking at something in the way of, God, this, it's not fair for me to be in these circumstances that I'm in right now, these negative ones. Now, if you're blessed and you didn't do anything to get blessed, you were just on the receiving end, and that wasn't fair, you don't seem to mind that too much. It's only when it's negative and not fair, that's when it's important. Right? You get a massive inheritance because a rich uncle dies, and you're not complaining that this is unjust, that you have so much money. It's not fair. I didn't earn this. I was just born into the right family. It's unjust for me to have so much money. I don't hear people complaining about that. But they do complain about situations where, you know, I've been victimized. I've been ruled against by someone. I've been denied a promotion at work. I have, um, you know, I was born into a family with disease that runs in our family line, and now it's come upon me, and that's not fair. Um, it's not fair the way that people treat me at work. It's not fair that, you know, I can't do what I want to do when I want to do it. And there are, there's so many things that people complain about with a sense of justice of what is right and what is wrong. And then, unfortunately... There are many believers that take that same mentality towards God in prayer. And they take that mentality and say, God, give me justice. Make my circumstances right. Change what's going on in my life. Bring justice about in my life. As if God was the unjust judge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's not be found to be praying like we're caught in a trap. Let's not be found to be praying just because we have need. Let's pray because we have an answer, not just because we have need. Verse 7, Luke 18, verse 7, And will not God defend and protect and avenge his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he defer and delay help on their behalf? God is not an unjust judge. He is not one who sits there and goes, okay, well, we're just going to give it a little bit more time so that you can learn something. And once you've learned your lesson, then I will bring justice to your set of circumstances for you. Uh, that, that doesn't, I didn't, sorry, I didn't read that in verse 7 here. It doesn't say that. It says speedily. I tell you, he will defend and protect and avenge them speedily, quickly. He is not unjust in any way. He is not blind to your circumstances. He is not holding back justice, allowing you to suffer just a little bit longer. But I will tell you this, why are you crying out to Him? Why are you crying out? Because the reason why makes all the difference in the world, in your world in your relationship with Him. You crying, the reason why you cry out makes a difference. See, He's going to bring justice because He is just. And it will come. That fact alone should satisfy our cry for justice. The fact that He is just. Justice will come. And you say, well, I've seen people get away with murder. I've seen people get away. They've lied. They've cheated. They've stolen. And it seems like nothing ever happens to them. Where's justice? They've lived their whole life and justice hasn't come. It ain't over. 
it's not over yet. Just because a wicked person has lived their whole life seeming to escape justice does not mean that it's over, that they won in the end. Because that ain't the end. When the Son of Man comes, that's the end. When He comes again, everyone will stand in judgment. And He will determine what is right and what is wrong. The Bible says that He will reward those who have done good and those who have done evil. And the reward will be different depending on which you have done. But He is coming with His reward and He will come speedily. It is not over just because someone seems to have gotten away with something. In the eyes of God, no one gets away with anything. We should be content with that fact. We should be content with the righteous judge judging the world. And if you know anything about judgment, from God's perspective, you will cry out on behalf of those you think are getting away with something because you know what's coming for them. If anything, it should elicit a response of compassion and cry for mercy on their behalf because you know what's going to happen. They're not getting away with anything. And the fact that they think that they are is an issue. It's a blindness that needs to be removed from their eyes so they can see what it is that they are doing and be delivered from it, praise God. Hallelujah. Because all men will stand in judgment for everything that we have done, whether good or bad, in this body at this time. There, the Bible says there some, some sins are hidden and some sins go before people to the judgment. In other words, there's some things you can look at people and go, wow, that's pretty obvious what they've been doing. Like, it's just, they just wear it. It's, it's obvious as they head towards judgment. There are others that you don't have any clue. You can't see. It's hidden to your eyes, but not before the eyes of the Lord. It's not hidden in His sight. Hallelujah. Aren't you excited you turned in, tuned in this morning? Aren't you happy about that? Listen, this is very important because it tells us why we pray. It exposes the reasons for why we pray. And if we're at home pray, praying from a place of, God, give me justice, right, make right my wrong circumstances, and we're pleading and begging God to do something and fix things, we could be praying from a wrong perspective. We could be praying from a place of, God is unjust and I just can't get Him to do something. Please help me, Lord. That might be how you're feeling, but that isn't truth. That isn't reality. And you need to see the Lord as just and the one who brings justice speedily. The fact is for us as believers that Jesus has already paid the price for your deliverance from every circumstance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your deliverance. It is not being withheld from you. It is not being held back in any way. Our God hasn't sent His Son to hang on a cross and pay the penalty for the sin of mankind, be raised from the dead to give you eternal life just to hold back a little bit longer while you sit and suffer and cry out for justice. Amen. That's not our God. That's right. He loves you more than you love you. That should be enough for all of us to be content. Right. He loves me more than I love me. And if I'm concerned about my needs, how much more is He about my needs? That should put us in a place of releasing that need to Him and saying, you know how to take care of me, Lord. You know how to look after me. I might, might think my need is one thing, but you know how to look after me. And it's much greater than what I could ever do on my own. Much greater. But this is a place of faith that believers, as believers, we need to come to. We need to come to a place where we're not looking around into what's going on around us. We're looking to Him who is above. We're looking to Him and saying, He has provided. He has delivered. He knows my circumstance. He knows my situation. And I trust Him. Amen. I put my faith in Him, in His ability to deliver me. 
I just want you to think for a moment about how when you were lost in the world, you didn't know God. You didn't think about God except as a curse word when you struck your thumb with a hammer. You didn't think anything about God. And yet there was a point in time when you were lost and you were blind and ignorant and he found you. He came and he found you because he loves you. He wants you. You have been chosen by him. You belong to him. And he said, I have redeemed you. I have set you free. I have paid the price for you. And in that moment, the Holy Ghost makes that word alive to your heart. And something happens on the inside of you. And you receive everything that he's done for you. And you are born again. You are transferred from the kingdom of darkness. And brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's what has happened to you. And that's where you are now. And he hasn't done just all of that. So that he can ignore you in your current set of circumstances. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never change. If he has been your deliverer once, he is your deliverer forever, praise God. Let us put our trust in him. Let us put our confidence in him. Let us remember what he has done and give him honor and glory for it. Let us not forget where it is that he has taken us from. Let us always remember where it is that he is taking us to. And let us always be in present reality of the fact that he is my protector. He is my guide. He is the one who is in charge of my life. It's funny, I was thinking just a little bit earlier today that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. He didn't go to the cross and rise from the dead so that he can make you Lord of your life. He did that so that he could be Lord of your life. Because he knows how to handle your life better than you do. Better than all of us do. He knows. Hallelujah. There's such confidence in that statement. The Lord knows that which concerns me. The Lord knows my circumstance. The Lord knows my thoughts before they enter my mouth, before I speak them out of my mouth. The Lord knows. He knows where you are. He knows how to get a hold of you. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows. He does not turn a blind eye to it, a deaf ear to your cry. He knows what's going on in your heart. Hallelujah. This last verse here says, But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's such an interesting statement. It's an interesting statement because it almost doesn't fit with what he's talking about. He's talking about we should always pray. We should always pray and not faint and not quit. And why? He gives a parable that's a contrast parable saying, if it's this way in the world, how much more will God bring justice to you, his elect, who cry out to him day and night? But the cry out to him day and night is not coming from a place of desperation, from a place of, oh, it's unfair for me, God. It's not coming from that. It's coming from a place of faith. And we should always be in that place and never faint, never quit. So when he, he goes through this statement and then he says this parable, and then he makes the statement, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And it just, it struck me because in thinking about that, it's not just talking about people praying from a place of faith. It is that, but it's so much more than that. And there is a transition in our lives when we, quite honestly, when we just get our eyes off of our stuff, where we can suddenly look up above that and see that He has a purpose for us that is greater than our, than our own protection. He will protect you. So that's kind of like the floor, <laughs> you know? That's, the, that's just the, the, the very foundation and basic place. It's like he's saying to us, it's okay. I've already taken care of it. I've already looked after your life. Your life is secure. Now let's go on to greater things. Let's move on to some greater things. The Lord has some wonderful things in store for us. Amen. But as long as we're holding on to 
our lives and trying to meet our needs and trying to look after ourselves, we are going to miss out on the greater things that He has for us. Oh, hallelujah. He has some wonderful things for you that you can't even imagine, but that is so much greater, and yet it is His holy desire to reveal and show you the life that He has for you. And that life is not just a collection of experiences in the world. That life is His life, the divine nature, divine life, eternal life that He has for you. This is what He has planned for us. So He says, however, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith in the earth? He's not just talking about faith in the sense of believing a truth. It is that, but it's more than that. He's talking about someone who has given their life to serve the Lord. Will he find faith or will he find people that are just interested in their own lives being blessed, their own lives being secure, their own lives being ministered to? Justice will come. He will make sure that what is wrong is put right. But when he comes, will he find people that serve him, people that love him, people that are devoted to Him. Justice will come. Your needs will be met. He looks after you. But when He comes, will He find that you love Him and serve Him and have lived your life for His desires and His purposes and what matters to Him? Is that above your own? Are the things that please Him chief and primary in your thinking and in your heart? Is that what matters? There are great men and women of God that have gone before us, that have laid down their lives to serve the living God. And we hold them up on a pedestal and we say, look at these great men and women of God who have gone before us. And we look to them as examples. And so we should, to a certain extent. But what is it that makes them that way? What is it that makes them heroes of the faith, as we have coined that phrase? Heroes of the faith. What makes them that way? Somehow, we have heard about the exploits that they have done. Somehow, we have heard about the lives that they have lived in service of Jesus Christ how they have decided not to serve their own lives, but to live for a higher purpose, to live for the purpose that the Lord has called them to. They've decided to, often usually what comes to mind is missionaries, because it's, a, it's an easier example to, to, to show. But missionaries, we, we look at them and we say, wow, this is amazing. They left behind the riches of this world and they went as a missionary by faith into the darkest corners of the world to bring the gospel to a people that knew nothing about who Jesus is. And they, they suffered, they, they toiled, and people got born again and revival broke out and miracles happened and God moved and it's a wonderful thing. And so it is. And we, we look at that, and what is it that we are seeing? We are seeing someone who is living not for themselves, but that believes in the Son of God and is living their life in a way that shows their devotion, that shows their commitment, that shows their love for their Savior. And we look at that, and we say, isn't that wonderful? But I want to tell you, the very thing that made them that way in what God called them to as a missionary, the thing that made them that way is the faith that God put in their heart. And it's the same faith God has put in your heart. It's the same faith. God's put the same faith in you. The, the thing that made them so wonderful is the Holy Ghost who lives in you, the same one. And God is no respecter of persons. He's not looking and going, some will be great and some will not. He's not looking at that. He's not making that decision. Now, men make that decision. 
Men look and put some on a pedestal and others not. So let me tell you another story. There, and this is a secondhand story, there were um, a missionary husband and wife team that were in Africa, and this is in the early 1900s. So this is at a time when uh, communication is not what it is today. You couldn't just pick up the phone and call the Congo in Africa, someone in the Congo, and talk to them on the phone. It, it just didn't work that way. They, they didn't have that same kind of community. They wrote letters. So communication took a little bit longer. We're blessed with technology so that we can communicate the way that we do. But listen to this, this situation. So the parents of this missionary couple, um, of, of, the, of the wife, uh, they, they were uh, Pentecostal people, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, but they were not very well educated. They were farmers, not well educated. They lived in a, in a rural area where, you know, they can go to church all the time, but they knew the Lord. They knew the presence of God, and, and so their, their daughter and uh, her husband were away as missionaries in Africa, working in the villages there, and they knew that, but they had no way of communicating with them. I mean, you send a letter, it takes a month to get to Africa, and then a month to respond from Africa. So it's two months from the time you send a letter before you get any response. And so they are at home, and, and uh, like I said, they're farmers, so the, the, the husband is going out early in the morning, you know, up with the sun, and going out to milk the cows, and feed the chickens, and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost grips him on the inside. And the Pentecostal people would say they had a, a, a sudden burden to pray. And all of a sudden, he's troubled. He drops his buckets. He goes into the house, and his wife says, oh, what's the matter? And he says, I don't know, but there's something wrong with our daughter. I have to pray. Something wrong with our daughter. I have to pray. She says, okay. So they sit down at the table and start to pray. And he begins to pray out of the depth of his spirit, groans that words cannot express, praying with fervor, with strength, with might for his daughter. Not praying in English, praying in the Holy Ghost. And he prays for one hour, for two hours. Now, his wife wasn't, in the same, wasn't under the same burden that he was. She was praying with him for a little while, and she carries on with her, with her day and tends to him as, as she can. He continues to pray three hours, four hours, praying in the Holy Ghost. He prayed for, if I remember correctly, probably about six hours or so. And then all of a sudden, out of his spirit, this singing starts to happen. This joy starts to come. And he's like, oh, she'll be all right. And they rejoice and they praise God. That's all they knew. That's all that they knew. They had sent a letter saying, hey, we were praying for you. Something happened. They find out a month later, two months later, when they got the response that their daughter contracted the West Nile virus and was left for dead. They had put her aside to be buried. There was no cure for that. They basically said, she's dead, we're going to bury her in, in a little bit. Put her aside for that. And at the same time that her father had that, oh, she's going to be okay. That release in his spirit, the joy that bubbled up, the victory that he was praying for, whether he understood it or not, he just knew that she would be okay. From that moment, she suddenly woke up and got up from that place, alive, healed, delivered, praise God. And they continued on with what God had called them to do. We have the missionary. We have the saint of God at home praying and not quitting and not concerned about his chickens or his, his cows but concerned about the things of God, concerned about the things that matter, and praying and never quitting and never fainting until the very thing that God wants done is done. 
And you might think to yourself, I don't know if I can do that. You on your own cannot, but you are not on your own. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That same Holy Ghost can bring you into this life to bring you into a place that is far greater than what you know of your own life now. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Or will he find people that are only interested in having their own needs met? Will he find a people that are devoted to him? Will he find a people that are not concerned about their own needs, but only the things that the Lord wants and desires? Will we have a testimony that says, I have ran the race, I fought the good fight, ran the race, I have kept the faith, I have not wavered, I have not backed down from what I believe, I have not let the world push me around. Because as long as you are considering your own needs above the Lord's, He can't help you with your needs. Because you still have them. The moment that you decide, I will put this in his hands, and though I can't see him, though I can't feel, though I can't tell anything has changed, I believe in him. I believe that he has rescued me. I believe that he has met every need of mine. And starting from that place of faith, continuing on to say, Lord, what would you have me do? What have you called me to? You might be crippled in bed. And think of your own healing. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. But what if you got a vision of what God's called you to do that requires you to be out of the bed? It is far greater to, to cling to that vision and say, Lord, you've called me to go here. So I guess you're healing my body. I guess you're getting me out of the bed because you called me to go there. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. We can pray and see these things happen. You are not restricted just because you are in your home. You are not held. It might look like that. And don't you worry. Justice will come. But in this moment, let us be crying out to the living God day and night, not out of desperation, but in confidence that He hears us, in confidence that He is moving in our lives, in confidence that His will shall be done. And let us live in a higher purpose, in a higher way than just our lives. Let us let go of the lives that we have and not try to seek to save them. So that in losing our lives for His sake, we might actually get a hold of that real life that is His life. This is what it means to be a believer. When you decided to be a believer and receive what Jesus has done for you and, and receive him as your Lord, you put your rights aside. You have a right to believe him now. Your rights are gone. I know that's harsh and people though. how can that be? It's so. You belong to him. You belong to him. Why do you think Paul would often refer to himself as the bondservant of Jesus Christ? Because a bondservant is one who was a slave that was made free and then has chosen now to, again to be a slave. To the, a freed slave. Not because he was made to be one, but because he chose to be one. Well, this is what happened to you when you got born again. What happened was you were a slave of the world, a slave of sin, a slave of sickness, a slave of darkness, and the Lord delivered you. The Lord made you free. He delivered and set you free, praise God. And now you have chosen to serve Him and be a slave unto His will. Not your will, but His will be done in your life, praise God. His will above all. Oh, hallelujah, because your life and your will is hidden inside His. And until you discover His will, you won't know that's, that's saving power in your life. 
No, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about you going through. I'm talking about you living for a purpose greater than yourself. I can tell you that the Spirit of God, the eyes of the Lord, roam the earth looking for those whose hearts are toward Him, loyal to Him, devoted to Him, thinking of Him, so that He can show Himself strong on their behalf. I've said many things already this morning. What I want you to hear is this, is that there is a place for you to put aside your own self, your own need. There's a place for you to grab a hold of him and allow him to pick you up and carry you. Allow him to be your strength. Allow him to be your defense. A real place of faith that says, Lord, I'm not concerned about my own life anymore. You have cared about my life. Before I had a life, you cared about it. Before I knew what it was to live, you paid the price for my life. And I will trust you with whatever you decide for me. Wherever you want me to go, that's where I will go. Whatever you've called me to do, that's what I will do. There's a place for every one of us, whether we're called to be a missionary or called to pray at home. There is a purpose that is greater than your own life. Hear him call you to this. Hear him call you in your heart to a greater place than what you've already known. Hallelujah. We are in days, these days that we live in, where we cannot afford to live according to our own self for our own purposes any longer. The longer we do that, the harder and harder it will become. We are not in days of just easy living. Please hear what I'm telling you. It, 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 it comes upon quickly. But in some ways, it has been like the, the, the frog in the pot of water where it's slowly being turned up. The heat is being turned up. That is the evil that is in this world today. That is the confusion that is in this world today. That is the antichrist spirit that is in this world today. It's already here. It's already, the, the, the heat of it's coming more and more and more. And the things that people have enjoyed in the past, you cannot enjoy those things today. And it's going to get worse. Well, that sounds like doom and gloom. This is what the Bible talks about in the last days. And if we are simply trying to live our lives to pad our existence here on the earth, it'll be more and more difficult to do so we'll find that it's harder and harder to grasp a hold of the blessing of the Lord when our purpose is only for ourselves. But we are in a wonderful time because in a situation like this, we are in a place where we can very really and truly make a commitment unto the Lord where we live for Him and not for ourselves. Because where the darkness is, the light shines ever brighter, praise God. And if it's dark in the world that way, you have an opportunity for that light to shine ever more brilliantly in you. And this life and this world and what we have here, the Lord will look after you. But it means very little in the light of eternity. Because in eternity, you'll look at this thing and think, what did I do with my time on the earth? What did I do with it? It is a commodity. It is, a, it is something that you have to spend. We use phrases like, oh, this is how I spent my time. Because you have it. It's of, of value. It's something that it goes, whether you like it or not. So how are you spending it? How do you spend your days? Are we spending the time that we have on the things that matter the most? Are we spending the time that we have on the things of the Lord? Are we taking time to pray and be in our Bibles? Are we taking time to love one another? Are we taking time to encourage one another? Where are we spending our time? Because what we do with it now 
matters for all of eternity. Hallelujah. It is my heart for you to hear what the Lord is saying. There's a dividing line that is being presented here between pursuing your life or pursuing His. And it's a decision that you make every day before the Lord. You commit and you move forward. And we have many heroes of faith to look towards as examples of those who have done just that. And whether you're called to be a missionary or you're called to be someone who prays for missionaries, you are called to the Lord nonetheless. And it is His desire for you to enter into the life that He has provided for you. It's rich and it's abundant and it's glorious and it's for you. And we started with prayer and I think we're going to end with a bit of prayer as well. I want you to hear there is a life that is wonderful and amazing and glorious and it's in Christ Jesus and it's for you and all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege of being called to a wonderful and glorious life. We thank you that we can live in such a way that we please you in all things. That you have made that available to every one of us. And I thank you that the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of our lives, bringing us to a place where we let go of self-living and we live only for you. And in living for you, we bless others and our lives become fruitful and glorious. And I thank you for the life that you have given us, a life that is full of your love and your compassion. And Lord, we decide, we have decided to live for you, to live not for ourselves, but for you. And we know that you take care of us. You look after us. You protect us. You are just and good, and deliverance comes speedily. We thank you for protecting us. We thank you for giving us abundance and giving us life. We thank you for lifting us up and making us strong. We thank you, hallelujah, for the eternal life we have in the kingdom of God. So, Father, we thank you. And we bless your name, and we expect good things in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.